0: Hello, and welcome to Spanish True Crime, a podcast dedicated to covering true crime stories from Spain. My name is Natalia, and I'm here to bring to you fascinating cases you have probably never heard about yet. In this episode, I will be covering one of Spain's most infamous stories, about a decades long rivalry between two families in the countryside, and hatred so deep it led to a bloody revenge. This is the Puerto Rico Massacre. Puerto Raco is a small village, with a population of just around 100 people in the Spanish region of Extremadura. Situated in the southwest of the country, it's one of the most rural parts of Spain. Agriculture was still the main economical activity in the 90s, when the events that we'll talk about today took place. Spain had just entered the European Union in 1986, and the differences between the metropolitan and rural areas were more patent than ever. The Puerto Rico massacre was a brutal reminder of a past many thought had been left behind, and it brought attention to the often forgotten Spanish countryside, although in the worst way possible. To understand what happened in Puerto Rico in 1990, we first have to go a little farther back. Two families, the Izquierdos and the Cabanillas, are the main characters of this story. Their multiple confrontations during the years ended up with a bloodbath that marked Spanish history forever. Most sources agree the animosity between them started in 1961, when Jerónimo Izquierdo, the eldest son of the family, stabbed Amadeo Cabanillas, also the eldest of his siblings. The cause of their dispute had apparently been over the rightful property of a piece of land. Some have also said that Amadeo had been dating Luciana Izquierdo, Jerónimo's sister, but he ended up rejecting her, and that also played into their confrontation. However, Luciana always denied it, and other sources state the only role Luciana played was being pushed to the floor by Amadeo during the property dispute, which had made her brother even more furious. It is a common thread in this story that versions contradict themselves, as they are often based on rumours and speculation that dragged on for years. As a result of this attack, Amadeo Cabanillas died, and Jerónimo Izquierdo was sentenced to 30 years of jail. After Jerónimo got out, he also got into a fight with another Cabanillas, Antonio, who was Amadeo's younger brother. Antonio, however, survived, and this time Geronimo was sent to a mental institution. We'll see his life is a premonition of what would happen to his siblings later. What really cemented the Izquierdo's hatred towards the Cabanillas was a fire that burned down their home in Puerto Braco in 1984. The mother died, and the remaining family, the siblings Antonio, Emilio, Luciana and Ángela, moved to Monterrubio, a nearby town. It was then their paranoia and obsession with revenge became more evident than ever. They always blamed the Cabanillas for the fire that killed their mother, they always blamed the Cabanillas for the fire that killed their mother, even though it was officially ruled as an accident. On August 26, 1990, Antonio and Emilio Izquierdo went from Monterubio, where they resided with their sisters, to Puerto Urraco. They were both in their 50s at the time. They wore hunting clothes and were armed with hunting rifles and plenty of ammunition. They told Luciana and Ángela they were going to hunt turtle dopes. It was around 10pm when they made their way to the town's main street and started shooting. Their first two victims were Encarnacion and Antonia Cabanillas, daughters of Antonio. The girls were only 12 and 14. Sadly, they were only the first two to die that night. Their killing spree lasted about 20 minutes and they ended up taking the life of nine people. Five died right there in the street, two would die later in the hospital and a young man was gravely injured, resulting in him having to be on a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Their revenge was supposed to be against the Cabanillas, but they didn't discriminate. In the end, they decided the whole town had to pay for the Cabanillas' supposed crimes. They shot everyone that was not fortunate enough to cross their paths that night, even the people who tried to help the wounded. They aimed at their heads and their hearts, they would later tell the psychiatrist that interviewed them. They even admitted to having taken lexatin so they could keep steady hands while shooting. The ones who were lucky enough took cover inside of their homes, and some were able to call the police. Two guardias civiles showed up, but were unable to arrest them. The Izquierdo brothers shot at the officers, injuring them, and fled to hide in the fields. A manhunt started involving over 200 men, helicopters and dogs. They were unable to find them until the next morning, nine hours later. Antonio and Emilio Izquierdo were arrested on the 27th of August. The same would happen to their sisters, Luciana and Ángela, after four days during which no one knew where they were. They had made a strange trip to Madrid, the capital, and were arrested at the station when they returned to Extremadura. The sisters were considered by some as the true masterminds behind the crime, and the ones who had pushed the brothers to do it. However, as we'll see later, that could never be proved. After being arrested, Antonio told the police he had wanted the town to suffer like he had during all that time. He added it was a shame they had been arrested so soon, because their intention was to come back during the funeral and massacre the rest of the population then. After such bold statements, the stories would change radically for the trial. After the crime, the small town of Puerto Rico became national news. Journalists flooded the streets, trying to find any neighbors to talk to. The entire population seemed to be terrified. Despite the arrest, they couldn't shake the fear that the event would somehow repeat itself. Tensions were also high, since most of the inhabitants were related to either one of the families. Most of them shut themselves away at their home, and it was only the day of the funeral that the residents of Puerto Raco took their streets back. The entire town mourned the lives that had been lost so senselessly. During the investigation and their psychological evaluation, it became clear that Emilio, the older brother, was the leader and Antonio the follower. This same pattern, repeated between the sisters, Luciana and Ángela, who was so influenced by her sister that she even spoke using the same words and intonation. Despite their first statement to the police, Emilio would claim during the trial he didn't remember anything that happened that night. It had been a case of temporary insanity. I have never, ever thought about killing, he said before the judge. No, no, no he Nunca por nunca he pensado de matar. Meanwhile, Antonio said he hadn't shot anyone, only once at the sky, and that his brother was the only one responsible for all the dead and injured. He claimed he had no idea what would happen that night when they went over to Puerto Rico. Witnesses denied his claims. They had seen him be participant in the acts. Emilio and Antonio were found guilty and sentenced to a total of 350 years of jail time. No one bought their temporary insanity defense. After psychological examination, they were found to be of average intelligence and probably suffering from a personality disorder that accentuated their obsession with revenge. However, that didn't take any responsibility for the crime away from them, since they were said to be in their right mind and aware of their actions during the crime. The sisters had also been charged as inductors of the crime, but they weren't convicted due to a lack of evidence. Despite that, they were sent to a mental institution. In fact, the same one their oldest brother, Geronimo, had gone to and died in. They would suffer his same fate and spend the rest of their lives there. Emilio died in prison in 2006, at the age of 72. Guards found him dead in his cell due to natural causes. He suffered from some cardiac disease. Antonio was able to attend his funeral. In front of his grave, he said, Brother, you live with the satisfaction of knowing your mother has been avenged. Antonio also spent the rest of his days in prison, until he took his own life, in 2010. This case really impacted Spanish society because of its brutality and the amount of lives that were lost for what was considered a petty rivalry between families. For some, it was easy to blame what they considered the uncultured, almost savage people of rural areas. But I think we should go deeper than that. In the end, the Izquierdo brothers committed a heinous crime, but I think we should also consider the ways in which society failed them, and in turn, their victims. The Izquierdos were a family with a history of mental issues. Everyone knew they weren't well, but no one ever did anything about it. They were isolated and left alone to descend to their madness. It was probably still too soon, and mental health wasn't a matter of public debate or concern. But I like to think nowadays an event like this could have been prevented more easily by social and health public services. There's also a question that lingers on my mind when it comes to this case. What was the spark that ignited the fire and led to Emilio and Antonio finally turning to violence to get their revenge? Did something happen with the cabanillas that caused them to snap, or was it just random? I'm afraid it will be hard to get an answer to that question now. If you're interested in finding out about other stories like this one, please follow this podcast on whatever platform you prefer so you don't miss any new episodes. Please consider leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at sptruecrime and Instagram at spanish true crime. You can send an email at spanish true crime at gmail.com if you wish to contact me. See you next time.